You know, the world right now is a really unsettled place. And for such a time as this, women play a most important role in history as peacemakers. The goal of Ladies of Liberty Sound Off is to affect the lives of women in an empowering way through discussion of important issues of the day. So, are you ready? The Ladies of Liberty are ready to sound off. Hey, I have a subject that I want to talk about that it's been on my mind a lot, and especially since I have a, a new grandson um, who's just a couple of months old, and I'm, I'm thinking ahead to his education. The kind of education that I had going to Catholic school, you know, was, was really a good education, very strict, but I think that that worked in my favor and made me much more disciplined. I look now at what's happening in education and every day I'm in shock. And the things that I'm in shock about are the, uh, first of all, the uh, number of teachers that are having sexual relations with our students, students that are 11 years old, 13 years old, 16 years old, all under 18. And it's not just male educators, it's female educators, which is really shocking to me. I mean, back in my day, that just never happened with female educators, or at least we never heard about it for sure. But now it it's pretty rampant. And I'm hearing about them so frequently that I find it really, really concerning. Secondly, educators that are having parties, and we can talk about some of these parties that uh, have sex, different sex things going on at the parties, either sexual innuendos, sexual activity, or um, transgender activity, or just a lot of different things that are inappropriate for our children and have nothing to do with schools. And thirdly, the schools that are now trying to sexualize our children, that are teaching them about gender, that are able to give them actual drugs to, to help them to change their genders, that can give them counseling without even telling the parents of these students. And, you know, I think about kids in school and, and what they're being subjected to. And none of this that I have just mentioned, in my view, has a place in school. School is about reading, writing, arithmetic, history, social studies, those subjects that will help them get ahead in life, not their sexuality, not their genders, not their race. And, and I just, I, I want to talk about it because I find it more and more upsetting. And the good news, if there is any, is that parents are waking up to this and are complaining just as we have seen in Loudoun County, which is really where it started in Loudoun County. And the parents started complaining. And then you had a student there who was sexually assaulted and the administration did nothing. And the superintendent, Scott Ziegler, was just ousted from the school district and he faces charges because he did nothing. So that is a positive that parents got involved and something is being done. 
Oh my gosh, ladies, we need to see so much more of this in the country. We need parents to not be allowing this to be happening to their students. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that the the lid has come off the, the pot as it were. And um, you know, if you can pull anything good out of the pandemic, maybe, maybe this is going to be the, 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 the real star on the, on the tree here. Um, so much is known now. Most of it is available to anybody who knows how to, to, you know, do it on online search. Um, of course, the legacy media is not covering it because it goes against, uh, you know, the party that has been benefiting from most of this. And I don't say that mildly. Um, I really do believe that children have been looked upon now as a commodity, as the future voters, as the future uh, beings to be manipulated in a, in a, in a wider, a wider scheme of the haves and the have nots. And, it, it, you know, as conspiracy sounding as that is, you have to look at some of the, the realities to kind of prove the point. So um, there's a really interesting article by the uh, president of Hillsdale College called Education is a Battleground. I encourage everybody to, to read it um, on their platform. Uh, one of the key points that he brings up is that in the last 20 years, the district administrators have increased by 87%, where the student body numbers have only increased by 7%. So our populations, as everybody pretty is aware, have, have kind of flatlined and, and indeed are kind of um, decreasing a little bit in these age groups. But it's a, it's a cycle. But 7% increase over a 20-year period when the administration side has increased by 87%, that tells you the entire story right there. And the uh, DeAngelis from, uh, from Reason and these other educators that are out there fighting for children's rights, for the money to follow the child, this is why. Because clearly the millions and probably billions of dollars, certainly over 20-year period, that have gone into the education system, they've gone into bureaucrats' pockets, not into educating our children. And again, the other statistic you look at is, how we're doing, you know, we're like behind Mongolia or something in math. It's just, just truly, <laughs> we, we, we truly are ludicrous. And well, we went backwards. Yeah, it's truly horrible. Seeing since the pandemic, it's only been two years or whatever is we're going to continue to see it is a mass exodus from the public school system and into these other alternatives. Uh, there's many, many states uh, now that have done, and Arizona, one of the last that did a full, uh, a full uh, revamp of the, it's not a voucher system. It's literally accounts that the money goes into for each one of the children and, and the school age uh, kids and the parent can put that in any uh, educational bucket that they want. And if there's things left over, you can, you know, you roll it into trade school and the, and the like. So it makes you wonder why we didn't do this all along. It seems so common sense. But the number of bureaucrats and, and individuals, non-elected individuals, uh, have guaranteed income. They've got pay raises and they've got uh, 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 medical insurance. And they're some of the best packages that you can get, right? Government jobs. Um, so they, they protect them. 
and uh, their interpretation of the rules that make up these bureaucracies. And it's not just the education uh, department, it's the DOJ and the FBI and the C, you know, not so much, you don't hear so much about the CIA, they're pretty clandestine, but right, they're all of these divisions and they've just gotten so bloated. The American government is such a huge, huge, massive employer. And in my opinion, that's what's wrong with this. You don't have, they're not running them like a profit business from the standpoint of, of efficiency and uh, keeping a customer in mind. And clearly the education system does not have that customer in mind, which is the student. I think it's like that goes hand in hand with the whole fall of capitalism in our country as well. But, you know, what scares me about that, that whole issue is that they'll take an, something like this transgender thing and use that, you know, they'll use what, what you've just described, all this bloating, top heavy, you know, no, nothing, no care for the students and so forth. And they'll use that in order to push their agenda. So, I mean, I was just watching also Joe Biden talking about how if you criticize the doctors who are talking to these kids and the psychologists who are trying to, you know, counsel these kids, then you're considered a racist, you know, and that I don't understand how you connect racism to, to you know, promoting transgenderism. Well, yeah, you can't. You, right. you can't. And that's it's such absurd. a tired, it's such a tired old dog and pony show that that they, you know, and, and here it is, we're even, we're even giving at the time of day. It's, it's such a tired excuse to distract from what the real issues are. We, as Republicans, as conservatives, as libertarians, and as independents, we have to put our hand up and say, just give it a rest. Yes, the, the scary part about that, Gene, is that people are dense enough to buy into it. You know, I, I feel like there's a lot of people who buy right into that, and it's scary you know, there's not, there's a lot of people out there that don't think like you and I are talking about. And, you know, they buy into this stuff because, you know, whatever the government says, the authority of the government still stands. And it, that, that frightens me, you know, we don't really have like, it's like, it's like group think or, you know, herd mentality or whatever. That's exactly yeah. what it is, Elisa. And, you know, it, it's because they make us feel guilty and they've done this about race, and they've done this now about gender. They, they make us feel like we are uh, discriminating against people and we don't accept all these people. And, you know, I, I'm really sorry to say it is not a normal way of life. And, and I don't care if they want to try to make it be a normal way of life. It is not a normal way of life. I don't, I don't have a problem with how people choose to live. I have a problem that they want to shove it down my throat and my children's throat and, and make them be something that they're not. When you look at a few years ago in the United States of America, we had zero, zero transgender or, or transitioning medical facilities for, for children. Now we have over 150 in this country. That, that is just an amazing statistic to me that we have medical doctors that are cutting children's breasts off as they bud. We have them giving them drugs that are going to change the, 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 the entire way that their future 
plays out for them. And, you know, you take a, a person and do this at this age. I mean, kids just by, by their nature, they, they're confused anyway. They don't know what they are. They, they, they want to be a bear running around in the woods or they, you know, they, they want to be a doggy or they want kids are kids for heaven's sakes. They don't know what they want. There's got to be a law in this country that no medical professional can do this kind of surgery on anybody under the age of 25 years old. That's how I feel about it because people don't come into their maturity until about that age to really know who they are and what they want out of life. And when you change them at that young age, I mean, we, we just have destroyed so many children's lives and these parents that go along with it because they think that that's what their kids want. I mean, it's, it's just, this is ludicrous what we're doing in this country and that, that schools are in any way, shape or form involved with reading material, with conversations in the classroom, with any of that, this is not the place of our schools. And why do we have it? Because our school unions, our teachers unions are so very strong and well-funded and this is who makes the rules. And they are very, very, very far left and very progressive. And, and if they can destroy the family, they can control our children. That's the issue. They can control their children, which become adults who then at that point are already under their control of, of this mentality. This is extremely dangerous and devious to do to our country and our families. And we have to be stronger than this and we have to stand up to it. And, and the fact that we have, I, I won't say lost our religion, but we have ignored our religion for some time in this country and it's getting worse and worse. It doesn't help either. I mean, that, that has, was a, a place where people could go to, to get help in various ways and, and could also go and understand that there's a power higher than they are. You know, all of the, the, the family, the religion, the, the, the values, the patriotism, all of those things play into having a strong country. When we start stripping those away one by one, we, we are just stripping away the, the entire essence of what America is. Uh, very true. And I think that when you uh, decidedly go about removing faith base of any any religious uh, denomination, when you take that away uh, and demonize it, so to speak, and um, uh, have people look down on it through the education system, so you've got the, the anti-parent voice reaching the kids at that point, minimizing and marginalizing faith-based ideologies. Um, you're, you're stripping that away from the uh, future generations and society as a whole. And because we've all stood back and allowed that to happen for whatever reasons, um, it, the void has been filled by this monetizing and uh, 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 this other agenda, I, I, you, I don't know what else to call it, that, that takes control of the hearts and minds of those same people. So if you're taking away that higher power and that belief in that you have to answer to somebody else, it's, 
it's it it hits at the very core of our uh, humanness and our our morality from the standpoint of knowing what's right and wrong because there is something else that you have to answer to. So when you take that away, you get you get this whole generation of kids that just think this thievery is because there there's no consequences and on the on the level of repercussions uh, uh, from the police and everything, the revolving door, the DAs, all of these things are creating this uh, this entire culture of you can get as long as you can get away with it, as long as you can get away with it. And it's escalated and escalated into violence as we've seen in a lot of these, a lot of these cities. So the, the it's near, I mean, I can hear Nero fiddling, right? It's, we are really seriously, it is, it is a, a true parallel that we can, that we can see going on here. And I, I don't know how to reclaim that except that it has to start in the home with the child at the kitchen table and there has to be that that return of that that essence don't miss an episode of the ladies of liberty sound off subscribe to the podcast and for the latest news and inspiration join us back at americaoutloud.com All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulpidone iodine-based nasal spray, Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Cofix RX banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD. People often ask me, Malcolm, how do we fight the corruption? Robert Frost has said it best, freedom lies in being bold. Well, for six incredible years, bold is America out loud. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Welcome back to Ladies of Liberty Sound Off. I am Linda Martinelli, and I am here with Elisa Akrongold and Jean Llewellyn. We are talking about schools and what's happening uh, in schools, what our children are learning and not learning. So I want to talk uh, for a second a little bit more about that because it's a real big issue with me. A, a teacher had a Halloween party for minors and he was giving them liquor and drugs. And, and it's not an isolated incident. Here's, here's a figure that will shock you both. Nearly 270 public educators have been arrested in child sex-related crimes in the United States in the first nine months of 2022. 
ranging from grooming to raping underage students. That's 270 that were caught and arrested. How many are not caught? They're in, in that group. There was four principals, two assistant principals, 226 teachers, 20 teachers' aides, and 17 substitute teachers. Of the hundred, of at least, of, of all those that I mentioned, 270, uh, at least 199 of those involved crimes against students. Is that not shocking to you? That's absolutely out of control. I, do you think that it's because it's just being reported more and it's kind of always gone on? Or do you think there's just this massive increase in this activity? I mean, I, I don't know. It just seems like every single person who gets caught either having sex with one of their students or, or, or assaulting a student or whatever, the, you know, the consequences of that are not pretty. Obviously, why are people doing it more and more and more? What do you think is behind that? Well, I, I, I do think that it's happening more, number one, because I think that our society is getting more and more permissive. But, you know, the, the other side of that coin, if, if you were at the teachers union, you would say, well, you know, it's, it's less than a percent of the teachers that, are, that got arrested. Okay, so we all recall that with the Catholic Church, and I am a member of SAME, but with the Catholic Church, prior to widespread exposure and investigation, which happened in the early 2000s, we thought it was just a few. And it ended up being a very widespread problem. And I feel that it's the same in our school, that so many children, in fact, statistically right now, it says that nearly 10% of public school students suffer from physical abuse between kindergarten and 12th grade by teachers. So, you know, who knows what the scale of sexual abuse in the, in the public schools, but the, the amount of teachers is over a hundred times greater than that of the Catholic church with priests. I, I just think that we really have to consider. And, and again, what Jean said was exactly right. We have to be talking to our children. We have to be finding out what's happening to them at school, talking to them about bad touches, talking to them about things that adults can do that are wrong and, and talking to them about adults that tell you not to tell your parents something and that that is wrong. And that when that happens, they need to tell us as parents, I really, really worry about this. I don't, I don't, feel that it's a small problem. I feel that it's a huge problem. And when you take into account what we've done and by using the pandemic, I think, and brought in a critical race and we brought in uh, the, this whole gender conversation to students, I, I just think that we are ruining this generation of children not to mention what we did by shutting down schools and our kids being woefully behind uh, their their world counterparts. Oh, I mean, Linda, everything you're saying is is so true. But what's scary to me is that it feels like a runaway train. Um, I, to me, I feel like we see 
so much of this now and it's it's become normalized. Um, and I'm, I'm saying that because I have a good friend of mine who lives here in my community who I saw, I ran into her the other day and I was asking her about her children and she has two girls and, um, you know, how is so-and-so and so-and-so? And she says, oh, well, you know, and I, I'm, I'm going to be making up names, but she says, oh, um, you know, Susie and um, Sam are doing fine. And, and I was like, wait a minute, you know, I was like, I didn't understand what she was talking about because Sam was not the name of her child before, you know, her, her daughter's name was something else. And so I was like, well, wait, what? And she said, oh no, she doesn't, she doesn't go by Sarah anymore. She goes by Sam. And I was, I was like, oh, uh, and I, I was like really taken aback. Like, you know, I, I didn't know how to respond, honestly. And she made it very normal. And this is like the most, you know, wholesome, regular family you could possibly find active in the community. And to, to her, it was, this was just the way it was. And this child is, is 12 years old. And I, I didn't know how to respond to that, honestly. And I just, it was a little nerve wracking because this is how people have normalized this now. So how are we supposed to turn it around if it's, if it's part of the norm, if it's become our, our vernacular now? Why are we normalizing abnormal behavior? You know, we kind of shake our heads and say, how can these people be thinking that all of this is okay? And what, what, what could be the underlying uh, motivator to be pursuing these things? And I mean, I don't know if you have a young person uh, who wants candy and they throw a fit in the store and you've been told you can't spank them, you can't do all of these, uh, you know, not abusive, but uh, uh, ways in which to discipline a child. Um, you're going to cave, you're going to cave with the candy and you're going to cave with these. Look at Janie said, it's okay for me to identify as a and, and fill in the blanks. And then you've got the school system that's supporting it as well for whatever whatever their motivations are behind this. Um, and this it, inflation of the thought that there's so many more people that um, are, are truly uh, suffer from or experience gender dysphoria. So it's, you remember back in the 70s or the 80s, because of the way things were being uh, populated, people on the street would be asked, how many people do you think are homosexual? And they would say, oh, you know, 60% of the population. When it was 3%, it was just that there was such a over discourse in the, in the, in the public about it that everybody thought every third person was homosexual when it wasn't. And so it, it kind of compounds on itself when you're dealing with kids it's 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 way worse because they're so susceptible to uh suggestion and all of these imagery and all of this stuff that they're getting and um i don't know how you remedy it it's it is very very scary linda i i think that um i think it's something that we really need to take a hard hard look at but i think what we were talking about before about morality and how uh, when you pull out any kind of religious undertone of answering to a higher power and having consequences when you're removing all of those things from, from society, it's going to start imploding. We, we, I agree with all that. I really do. But again, I, I keep coming back to the fact that the, I, I've, I talked to, you know, a lot of people who are just, you know, very 
regular, regular seeming typical families living and working and sending their kids to school. And it's become the total norm for it's not even a second thought that one of their 12 year old children is now a different gender and they're just fine with it. And so how do you change that? That's what's, that's what I, that's what makes me a little worried because, you know, we can sit here and talk about it all day long and yes, how outrageous and it's crazy and all that, but it is happening. And how are we going, how is it going to like to what's the end game of this whole thing? Like, how is it going to end? So these kids are all going to grow up and now they're all mixed up. They don't know what gender they are. And now they're going for jobs and they're going to go to, you know, are they going to get married? Are they going to have their own families? Like what happens at the end of this whole thing? Like what's the end of the story? That's, that's to me, the most unsettling thing about this whole thing, because this has all been normalized. Well, I think it, but but it's it's not normal. (laughs) No, No. and I don't, I don't think that it, again, we're, we're, it's, 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 we're all aghast. Uh, We're hearing about these stories, but if you start looking at the overall population, it's very, very, very few, uh, few people are, are, are buying into this whole thing and then going through with the surgeries. When it, when you, when it, you hear about a hundred children, your heart breaks and you think, oh my gosh. But oh, in the, the big picture is it seems like it's way more like it's this wave of, uh, you know, of of uh, of this coming through the society. But it is a wave, Jean, because when you have 150 clinics doing this surgery on underage kids, that that just that's a lot more than 100 children. Well, but you have a lot of clinics out there that offer uh, uh facelifts, but people don't often, you know what I'm saying? It's because there'll be, uh, people will participate in this because it's new and it's trending and it's, it's the, the, it's, it's, you know, whatever the trend is, everybody goes out and gets tattoos or piercings or, uh, you know, the kids during in elementary school, they go through the phases of, of anorexia or cutting themselves or, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's this constant thing. And I think the point that we have to be looking at from the school system and everybody else is what, what do you do? How do you take a free society? And cons- I mean, when you've got a parent doing this to a younger child, is it child abuse? Do you put that law on the, on the books that says that you can't, you know, where do you turn the, turn the, the no, dial? You, you don't allow doctors to do this surgery on anybody under a certain age, period. And, and that's, you can't buy a bottle of liquor under a certain age. Why can you mutilate your body under that age? That, that doesn't make sense. No, when, I, when I you have you. the president of the United States saying to America that he is not going to stop this uh, for, for children, I, I just think that that's despicable. And, and I think that we, we are way over w- you know, the, the kind of way over the line of, of where we should be. We, we have got to have rules in this country. We can't, it's not a free for all life is not a free for all where you can do anything you want. And that's what they've made it. Oh, you want to go murder somebody? You want to go rob somebody? You want to go beat somebody senseless? Oh, we'll let you out of prison the same day. You, you don't have to go to jail, get out, get out of jail free. That 
this is not the way that things should be. And we're not protecting society and we're not protecting our children. It is our job as parents and as educators and as legislators to protect those that cannot protect themselves, the children, the uh the, the, the people that are incapable of thinking for themselves, the disabled, that is our job in society. And we are failing miserably at it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you can, you see that in the, the homeless situation because of the mental health and it's not being addressed and it's well, if they want to live on the street. And again, it's like, well, my 12 year old says they want to be a, a, a different person. So, so We've lost uh, a moral spine, so to speak. Um, and but but we are a free society, so we have to figure out above the emotional outrage of it. We have to figure out how do you uh, constrain? And I use that term; it's probably not the best term to use. But how do you constrain these these whims of society, so to speak? Um, legislatively without impinging on other civil liberties that we hold so, uh, so dear. I mean, it's hard to say uh, uh, we have a free society with free, free speech and, and uh, the bill of rights, but yet we're saying, well, this bothers me because it crosses the line. So I, you know, you can't do that. Now I agree with you, Linda, on all of this, but I'm trying to, approach this from the standpoint of how, what do we do about it? So it, you, you, you have to be able to create a scenario within the constitution and our bill of rights that creates some sort of uh, bumper, uh, you know, like a crazy, a new driver has to, those bumper cars or the alleyway at the, at the bowling alley. There has to be those. And it used to be morality. It used to be do unto others and the golden rule and that you would uh, you'd be decent to your neighbor. And so um, uh, I don't know how a government, uh, a set of rules fixes that when you have to really go back to say what was pulled out from underneath us and what will, I, most of us, I think, uh, on, the, on the faithful side would say, this, is, this will solve the problem, but we have to get it back into our communities and back into our societies. And and I, I'm not too sure how do you how do you go? I mean, that's the question, right? How do you go about replacing that that's been removed from us? I don't think you can because 50% of the country doesn't agree with you. That's the problem. So the country is so divided. You know, we are on one side of that line where we're talking how we're, you know, we we here amongst the three of us here all feel a certain way about the moral compass of the country and so forth. The other half of the country doesn't think like that. Well, and I don't think it's the other half. I think that, I mean, we, we can, we can talk about the voting lines and how uh, uh, razor thin margins on all of these issues and the propaganda that's caused a lot of the way people are voting and looking at some of these things. But if you come back down to the, how do you feel about doing this to children issue? And do you think these criminals should be allowed to, because those are the people that own the bodega and own the stores and have suffered the losses of all of the summer of love and all the rioting and everything. That's America. Those are the families that have suffered and they may, they may be registered Democrats and feel like they need to vote the party line because whatever orange man bad or whatever, the, you know, their reasoning is. 
but at the end of the day, they still feel the same way we do on most of these issues because the percentage of kids that may truly suffer from gender dysphoria and, well, there's this ability now to do these operations, whatever, it's a very, very small, small percentage of the population. So, so if everybody kind of has that common line, I don't think most people, Democrats included, think you should have full-term abortions. I think that would horrify most people, but I don't think they really know about it because we've had this control of the propaganda and that's starting to break down. First, Trump got rid of CNN and fake, right? Clarified fake news. His media was in the pocket of the Democrat party. And so, and so now we have all of these new uh, uh, conduits and streaming services and podcasts. So the information is starting to get out there. And as these newer generations start coming up through the rank, they're much more savvy to use the uh, the electronics and the, the the streaming facilities and the all of the different uh, aspects where some of us boomers are a little bit well no I like my lat my desktop and you know that type of stuff so it's becoming more and more uh, easier to to get your hands on the information and um, it's slow but it's happening and and we need to kind of just you know we're worried about our grandkids and we're worried about some of these things that they're having to go through. Um, I think we need to look further down the road, be very diligent in, in standing our ground. No, I think this is wrong. And it doesn't matter to me what you think of me because I feel this way. I have a right to feel this way. So I'm not keeping you from having a job or buying a home or restricting you in any way from that standpoint, but I can have my opinion of your lifestyle and what you're doing with it. And that's part of my rights. And I think we kind of need to hold the line, keep moving forward, and, re- and expect a demand out of our elected politicians that they stand forth and, and tell, say where their line is in the sand with this. You know, they need to say no full-term abortions. They need to say um, no, no curriculum, uh, over-sexualized curriculum in the, in the schools. So we need to get that out of them by calling it what it is and not backing away from the conversation. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. 
So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time. So speaking of what our future political landscape is going to look like, I have to ask you guys what your opinion is about Trump running again. I am so undecided and I, I have to say that I personally think that we need to move on from Trump as much as I was a big Trump supporter. And I think, you know, there was, I think, honestly, I, I would be, I would be, I would say that I really think he, he might've been the best president we ever had in terms of what he accomplished and how he managed to refocus our country. Um, and, but I think that we have gotten to the point where we are so divided over him. And I don't know that we're going to be able to win with him as our candidate. So well, I think that that's an interesting conversation and I have to agree with you. And I too am a big Trump supporter. And I just recently, my husband and I were invited to Mar-a-Lago to, to have dinner there with a uh, small group of 400 people <laughs> and um, absolutely a, a beautiful estate and uh, uh, lot, lots of famous people there it, it was really, really a beautiful event. The ballroom there is absolutely dropped it gorgeous. It was a very mellow estate. If you've seen Trump speak, not in a rally, but in a close setting like that, I mean, he, his ideas are wonderful. His, his grasp of what needs to be done in the world, both overseas and domestically is incredible. His patriotism and his love for America is uh, just unparalleled. And he, his, his ideas are wonderful. And I, I couldn't agree with him more with the Make America Great. Um, but that being said, I agree with what you just said, Elisa, that there is a, a weary of Trump component in the country. And a lot of people that were huge Trump backers, uh, famous people are no longer, and they are criticizing him. And some of that he certainly brings on himself as he always has. Here, here's my, my thought on this. I feel that Donald Trump was that, that he is the rightful president. I feel that the election was stolen from him. I do not believe in any sense that Joe Biden won the election, but yet here we are. And to have him come back now, I think would be wonderful for the country in the way that, that he would get us back on our feet. He would take care of the, you know, the Chinese and the Russians and the, the issues around the globe. I, I do believe that, but I also believe that we would be in for another four years of controversy, of investigations, of people trying to go after him. I mean, they're desperately trying to go after him now for any and everything so that he doesn't run. That's how afraid they are of this man because they know that he has a lot of power. So are there other good people running? Absolutely. We don't know if, if DeSantis is going to run. Um, DeSantis would be a great president. What is DeSantis, in my opinion, it, his, his downside is that he is not an international relations guy. And President Trump did very well at that. 
He also is not a private business owner where Trump understood business and understood the business owners and small business and big business. And he understood that it is the engine of America. But DeSantis has wonderful ideas and he is not afraid to uh, come up against anybody to enact his ideas. We also have Mike Pompeo, who I just think is, is absolutely- Oh, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> rhino, rhino, rhino. <laughs> I, well, I disagree, but, but we have Mike Pompeo, but his downside is that he does not have, again, that business background and the domestic background. He has the international background more so. But um, then we, we have Nikki Haley. Um, I, I'm okay with Nikki Haley. Uh, that's not the direction I would go in. So he, here's my point. We have a lot of good people that, that we are putting up for the presidential election in 2024. So I say that let's let the Republicans determine, and they will in the primary, who is going to be the person at that time in 2024 that they feel is best able to bring this country to where we need it. And, and let's not stress about it right now. Let's, let's let life play itself out for the next two years. And uh, what I'm hoping against hope is that the Republicans don't destroy each other in the primaries with their vicious words and things. And Trump is known for that. And, and, and let's get a good candidate, whoever that is. And that's who I will end up backing. So uh, that's, that's my thoughts on it. But I will say that having just been to Mar-a-Lago, having just uh, heard and, 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 this is not the first time I've heard him in a more private setting. Um, he, he, everything in his ideas are all right for America. It's just that he's so controversial. It, it gets lost in the controversy is the problem. So can I ask you a couple of questions on that? Sure. Because I, I'm, what I'm seeing and I'm hearing a lot of people speak on this subject as well. And it seems to me that it's like, uh, everybody's kind of lost in the time warp. It's like the four years that he was president were an unprecedented attack, like we've never seen, not only from Obama spying and the uh, FISA warrants and all of the BS and Adam Schiff here in California and all of the stuff that went on. The fact that he got anything done during that time period, one arm tied behind his back virtually, was of superhero nature. And I'm not saying that just because I, I'm a Trump fan, right? It, it really truly was amazing. If when you go back and you rewind on those years, it's holy cow, you forget all of the stuff that went on because it was just this constant barrage. And so a lot of people are caught up in that and they're not realizing that everything has changed. The entire landscape is different now. Everything that he said was th that was happening has been proven true. And all of the things that he did from a monetary economy, military, international policy, it all served us to a point that it's been completely destroyed in the last two years because Biden went through all the EOs and he just reversed all of them regardless of it. And we're about to face another one with this immigration title 42. And they're, they've got their knickers so far up, you know what, 
they can't even see the, the they'll take that down because Trump put it into policy to the immense detriment of the entire country. What I mean, they're lining up down there at the border now waiting for these eight days or whatever it is. And, you know, the Biden administration is going to do anything. It's it's a huge issue. So I think the only person that could come in and right the ship at this point is Trump, because number one, all he'd need to do is reverse back those EOs. If we had Congress and God willing Senate by then, which we stand a really good chance to flip those seats in 2024, way greater possibility than what we had at our disposal in 2022. So if we can do where we get those and we've quieted the storm over here of the attacks because he hasn't been found guilty of anything except maybe his organization buying a car for a, an executive. It's, it's like they've they've turned over every rock trying to pull this guy down. Well, they still have things that they're coming up with, with with regards to the papers that were at Mar-a-Lago. And I think that, again, it's a witch hunt for sure. Yeah. But, but here here's the thing. And I, and I think Elise is going to be the person to answer this even better than me. The, the, the thing is, his his mouth gets him into trouble. And when, when he started being snarky against Ron DeSantis, who is much loved in Florida and much loved by the Republican Party, it took him down a notch and he doesn't need to do that. And I find it really frustrating that he does that because I too agree with everything that you said that he is um, he's the guy that knows how to do this and get it done. And, and he can do it, but his mouth gets him into so much trouble and turns people against him because of his snark. And okay, but Linda, you're talking about him calling, you're talking about him calling Ron DeSantis sanctimonious. Yes. Which was actually very funny. And it was, a, I, I don't think it was comment. funny. I think it was well, pretty rude. Well, okay. But I mean, you know, he's, he has that kind of sense of humor, but I'm not, I'm not saying yes, he does make public comments that um that because he's he's a uh, uh he's sassy that way right it's part of his basic personality is it good is it bad should he do it as on a public platform uh, everybody can have an opinion about all of that but he he was did he said that he called him that in response to a particular interview or or public statement that that ron DeSantis had made he didn't he didn't he didn't further it. He didn't slander him, his family, his wife, or anything. He didn't I know. Take I just it don't, in I just, I no. just don't. Th- just I think that he one hurts little himself. I think but he hurts no, himself I, that I way. I hear you from that standpoint, but we're not. I, I saw a meme the other day. It was very funny. We're, we're not uh, tagging a Valentine on our politicians. We're looking for someone who's going to do right by our economy and our country and our bottom line as families at the kitchen table. And, and thinking somebody's cute to vote for that, not that that's what you're saying, but, but lowering it down to, oh, guy, I wish you wouldn't be so snarky. It's like, well, do you want starkiness or do you want to have a 401k so you can retire next year? Yeah, and I'm, and I'm not talking but, about myself, yeah. okay, um, because I, I am a Trump supporter. But, uh, you know, Elisa made a good point, and I, w- I want to hear her answer to this because because she's somebody that's on the fence because as a Trump supporter, she, she is now turning away and she wants somebody new, Elisa. Yes. I, I have to admit I have completely turned away. And the reason is 
because I did not find it funny that he called him Ron DeSanctimonious either. I said, I thought to myself, Ron DeSantis is wearing the same color Jersey that Trump is wearing. And to start an enormous, to start up with him like that. I mean, he has a history of going after every single person that, that may voice any idea against him. And I think there's something wrong with that. Um, I don't think that he should, he, I don't think, I think it's immature. I don't think it's dignified in any way. I don't think it's the sign of a leader. Yes. Do I agree with all of his policies? I loved his policies. I loved his, his, um, you know, all of his foreign policy as well. I thought what he did for Israel, he was the greatest president, you know, friend to Israel that, that there ever was in the American presidency. He, you know, he was, he was brilliant with the businesses. I thought what he was doing with the black community was even fa fantastic. I was a uh, 100% behind him, but he has this penchant for creating controversy with his mouth and he does not stop. And it's been time and time and time again, where he should have learned that lesson. And I don't understand why he doesn't get that. Like that is the only thing I feel that's bringing him down. I completely agree with you, Gene. What he did was unprecedented with, uh, while he was under attack 24 seven from the day he came down that escalator, they were against him and they were, it was a witch hunt from day one, a hundred percent. And he still was able to accomplish what he was able to accomplish, but he does not know when to shut up. And that to me is his biggest downfall. And I don't think we can win again because of that with him as, as our candidate. I also think that, um, that, that like, you know, what, what he just did with this whole Kanye West thing, I also think was a big problem for him. I, I also thought that was so, that was just downright stupid. Why, why on earth out of all the people in the country that he could align himself with, why would he go over, go out, go with uh, Kanye West? What but is he aligning himself with him or did he have an old friend over to his, to his play? I mean, it's like, you, yeah, we, Kanye, just because there's a picture of somebody with somebody doesn't mean that they're, they're buying in. And let me, do you know why he called Ron DeSantis sanct sanctimonious? Do you know where that came from? Well, it was after that speech that Ron DeSantis gave. About what, what? Specifically. what? What What was it that 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 made him come up with that? That nickname? I that I don't even I can't I don't know the details. So that's my case in point. Who and why does that become an issue that we're sitting here talking about it? Because the media has grabbed a hold of it and turned it into an issue. And DeSantis has come out and said he's friends with Trump, and that there's there's no feud there. It's all been made up by the by the media. But he, uh, DeSantis was supportive of a Colorado Republican senator who wasn't a, a mega supporter. And in the, uh, and so, you know what I mean? There was a reason behind it. And yes, okay, so it's- But the, therein lies the problem. Anybody that may have a differing opinion from Trump is all of a sudden gets called a name. And all of a sudden, you know, it's like the, it, he literally is playing. Do you Andrew. want him being wishy-washy about, I mean, it's like, it's, no. it's like, he no, but we don't want man. him being, we don't want him being to be in 10th grade either. Exactly. You he know, doesn't uh, need to be the schoolyard bully. Yeah. No, we, I know, we, but... uh, listen, I, I, I think that I wish I'm, that I'm trying to bring the focus back on, on the stuff that isn't the, uh, the, the schoolyard part of, then of, he needs of what to, you're he identifying needs to do that though and, not and, us and i hear you i, I hear yeah. that but it's like 
this the point that I'm trying to make is that it's the media that grabbed a hold of that and made that an issue. And here we are talking about it. But, but they so, always will. And so he needs to not give them fodder. I wish that everybody could see Donald Trump as as I've seen him close up and yeah. personal in in conversations where he's talking about this country and he's he is so knowledgeable and he ha- makes so much sense and he understands so intrinsically what needs to be done to save this country and the frustration is that he's not getting that through and and that's you know it's if if he could talk the way that he talks in in a personal gathering to america i i just think that they would fall all over him but but he he's got to not Um, Well, we may see that we may be yet to see this because as I mentioned, it is a completely different landscape this time around. Something else I want to say, two things actually. One is, um, uh, I can't remember her name, it's slipping my mind, but the RNC chairman of the GOP, the gal, um, Ronna McDaniel. McDaniel. Yeah, she's probably, she may or may not go because um, Harmet Dillon has thrown her hat in the ring. Who would be like, oh my gosh, blow your hat off, right? That would be amazing. So if we can get this team, um, and they are controllers for the most part when it comes to PR, to help, you know, uh, Kellyanne Conway was very good with him at the beginning because she really had a wild tiger at, back then, right? Because it was constantly counterpunching because of what he was going through. So very different landscape. Um, refine the team that's around him to help clear that message. We have so much more support around the country in our congressional and soon to be our Senate majorities. It's going to make a huge difference when they're all supportive. Remember, so many of those Republicans at the beginning didn't vote for the wall, didn't get behind him on that. Start, you know, allowed this whole racism, racism, racism about everything uh, about trying to uh, have a sovereign nation and a, and, a, and a border down there. So very different landscape. My personal opinion is if things are so bad that that Trump is the only person that could handle the job four years, get us going back on track. It's not going to be as quick as it was when he from his first term. We got serious holes to dig ourselves out of. And then Ron DeSantis comes in for eight. And if we could do that, America would be transformed. The global democracy would be transformed. We would be in a completely different place. And it, it could happen that fast within our lifetime still. So you know, I, I, because if he gets in office or whomever does, we need strong governors, especially border states, to be able to get things done this yep. time around. Yep, I totally agree with you and yep. and pray for that outcome and we'll see what happens. But we have a ways to go. Well, ladies, that's a wrap. One more step for womankind. 